Remember when about 20 months ago, a global pandemic raced across America, undoing the economy in the process? By April 2020, America's unemployment rate was approaching 15%. What a difference a year and a half makes. This October, the nation's rate of unemployment fell to 4.6%, a pandemic-era low. That month, Nebraska registered the lowest unemployment rate of any state on record ever. That month, the Cornhusker state's unemployment rate declined to a nearly unimaginable 1.9%. It reminds us how tight the job market has become in much of America and how difficult it remains for many employers to fill available job openings. In Nebraska, there are more than three job openings per job seeker, the highest ratio in the country, according to ZipRecruiter. A number of factors are at work, including the large presence of industries deemed essential during the pandemic's early stages. Among that state's leading industries are agriculture and food processing. But like much of America, the labor force has also shrunk there. Before the pandemic, the state's labor force participation rate was greater than 70%. It's now about 68%. Utah's unemployment rate sits at just 2.2%. Idaho, South Dakota, and Oklahoma also boast unemployment rates below 3%. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. Many of us have uttered the words supply chain over the last two years more than we did during all the prior years of our lives. For decades, we took the shipping system that underpins globalization for granted. How did the pandemic finally break the global supply chain? As indicated by writer Brendan Murray, there are approximately 25 million standardized shipping containers that ply the world's seas on about 6,000 ships. This floating capacity is designed to be synchronized with port capacity, railroad lines, and trucking networks. As the backbone of global commerce, it's a system that has lifted tens of millions of people out of poverty. Under normal circumstances, this structure has worked so well that global producers and distributors move to more profitable just-in-time inventory management. What that means is that there is little excess product stored at any given time. But the COVID-19 crisis eventually led to an unpredictable surge in demand for goods. With dock workers calling in sick and many older truck drivers retiring during the pandemic's early stages, the global supply chain faltered, producing the goods shortages and high prices we are experiencing presently. The fact that a handful of companies dominate global shipping has also likely played a part. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. As indicated by writer Douglas Belkin, men are abandoning higher education in such large numbers that they now trail female college students by record levels. At the end of the 2020-2021 academic year, women made up nearly 60% of college students, an all-time high. That means that the male college enrollment share is down to about 40%. These data come from the National Student Clearinghouse, a nonprofit research group. That's not where the story ends. U.S. colleges and universities reported 1.5 million fewer students compared with five years ago, and men account for 71% of the decline. This education gap is observable at both two- and four-year colleges. It has been widening for four decades. But wait, there's even more. Women tend to successfully graduate more frequently than men. About 65% of women in the U.S. who start at a four-year college 
graduate within six years. The corresponding proportion for American men is 59%. What all this means is that over the next few years, two women will earn a college degree for every man if current trends persist. And there is no reversal of these trends in sight. For the 2021-2022 school year, women increased their lead over men in terms of college applications by nearly a percentage point. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Anibon Basu. By now, many people have heard the term the Great Resignation. Workers have been quitting their jobs in record numbers. That is well known. What is less well known is that the rate of quitting is much higher in certain communities and in certain industries. As indicated by writers Andrew Malika and Sarah Cheney Cambone, states in the West, including Hawaii, Montana, Utah and Oregon have been experiencing the most substantial growth in workers quitting. One of the explanations for the higher quits rate in certain states is the mix of industries. Montana is home to the nation's largest share of employment in the arts, entertainment, and recreation sector, which encompasses jobs at museums, theaters, and amusement parks. In September, the number of people quitting their jobs in these segments collectively rose 82% from a month earlier. Hawaii has also experienced a large number of worker resignations in the arts, entertainment, and recreation segment. The same can be said for Utah, Colorado, and Nevada. This is not necessarily evidence of economic strength. In Hawaii, job openings have remained somewhat depressed, implying that many people are quitting simply to take time off rather than leaving for a superior position. Educators are also quitting their jobs in very large numbers. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. Many of us have been enjoying the company of extended family recently for the first time in many months. During the years ahead, these gatherings may get much smaller. That's because birth rates in America have been declining during the COVID-19 pandemic. That fulfills a prediction made by many that the pandemic and attendant economic uncertainty would trigger a baby bust. What's remarkable is that U.S. fertility rates were already at a record low prior to the pandemic. A new Pew Research Center survey supplies evidence that America's fertility rates will continue to decline. The survey finds that a rising share of American adults who are not already parents say that they are unlikely to ever have children. As indicated by writer Anna Brown, their reasons range from simply not wanting children to concerns regarding climate change and the environment. To be more precise, 44% of non-parents ages 18 to 49 say it is not too or not at all likely that they will have children someday. That represents an increase of 7 percentage points from the 37% who said the same in a 2018 survey. Meanwhile, 74% of adults younger than 50 who are already parents say they are unlikely to have more kids. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu.